Welcome to Garage Conversation with Char, or GCC for short. My name is Charlene Brisbane, and you are about to listen to a podcast in the second series. The intent of the discussion remains as it was from the start, to inform, engage, and inspire. My daughter Shelby continues to come along for the ride as my producer and sort of co-host. However, she gave up editing somewhere in the first series to Christine, a professional editor. Yes, most of the podcasts continue to be recorded in my garage, weather permitting, or my guest's ability to travel. If you have listened previously, I appreciate your continued support. If this is your first podcast, thanks for giving it a try. Hey, Shelby. Good. I guess it's afternoon this yeah, time around. Yeah, this is the first time um, in this series that we've done a podcast in the afternoon, which is good to know how it works. Actually, it's not bad. It's a beautiful day for our our um, audience. We didn't have to pull out the space heater. This, I don't believe in that space heater anyway. I don't think it, it did much. Well, for- well, I mean, at least I had something for the guests when we were out here and it was cold. But they didn't complain. I guess while you're talking, you just, you know, don't don't worry about it. But as is our little thing we do, I made my own like frappuccino since I have given up buying stuff from fast food or any type of um, buying food out during Lent. Well, <laughs> you also have to like put it out there that I used to barista. So now I can relay all of my barista knowledge on, on to you. So yeah. we can, and I love my espresso, so we can make, you know, nearly anything. Well, now that you moved out, I have to come to your house to get that though. Well, but you make your frappuccinos fine. Yeah. Well, because you know, your pop pop, my, my dad drinks coffee every day. So there's always like some leftover coffee and I put in my almond milk and, you know, just blend it together with some ice. And I put a little splash of Hershey's syrup because, you know, I'm the chocolate girl. So um, but nonetheless, um, so I have that and I see you're drinking your rarely diet Coke. I, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's now, Shelby's so good. like all of like 20 pounds. No, I'm joking. That's extreme. And she drinks diet Coke. I don't understand. <laughs> it, I think there's definitely a following for diet Coke. Like it's, it's a community of diet Coke people actually, you know, at work, everything's over zoom now. And I took a drink of my diet Coke. I was in some meeting. And someone from a completely different department was like, you drink Diet Coke too? And I was like, yes. So we, f- we find each other. It's, yeah. it's a, a, com- a community of Diet Coke drinkers. I think it's like addictive or something. Really, I should be drinking water. That's what I had intended to drink. But then I didn't. So, Well, I guess it's okay to have, you know, I think anything in moderation, you know, is when these comes to these things. It's not like you drink Diet Coke every day. Although now that you, you're working like full time, maybe you do. <laughs> I don't, but you know, and this is something that we could bring up next time we have Jules on, whenever that will be. I feel like, you know, like if Diet Coke is your thing and you have a Diet Coke and that's otherwise, you're otherwise healthy, like drink a Diet Coke. Right. No, I agree. But I do try, I'm weird about caffeine. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I like my, now my homie Frappuccino, at least until April 2nd, which is Easter, um, I think. <laughs> because it gives me some coffee. I, I cannot just drink a cup of coffee. It just doesn't taste good to me. But if you mix it with some something chocolate, a little ice, I can deal with it. So, But nonetheless, I guess we should get back, get us to the show. I am like super excited that I have 
a wonderful person who I work with who was responsible for learning at my company, Stacy. I actually have a privilege of being part of her learning committee, which she heads, and I've also worked with Stacy on some other initiatives at work. And like Stacy is so enthusiastic for learning and development. And so I thought it would be particularly significant to have her come and talk to us during COVID because many people have lost their jobs. They may be considering new career paths or this time of new normal has made them more mindful of the importance of career development. So I was like, oh, who? I was like, ah, oh, gotta have Stacy on. And, you know, so without further ado, I'm gonna let Stacy tell a little bit about herself and then we'll, we'll jump into some questions. Thank you so much, Shelby and Charlene, rather. Thank you both for having me here. I'm super excited to spend this great Saturday afternoon with you both and learn more about your podcasts and episodes that you run. And it sounds so interesting to me. So a little bit about myself, as Charlene introduced me, Stacy Hobiak. I um, am a learning and development director at Teva R&D. I'm there about three years. And before joining Teva, I have a career at Pfizer of about 23 years, all in the learning and development space. Wow. I started out in sales and marketing and moved over then to procurement, learned a lot about that. Uh, division, and then last my tour in clinical, which then led me to Teva within R&D. So I have a husband and three daughters who are 22, 19, and 15, two wow. dogs, which I always love talking to Shelby about her <laughs> dog. I'm a big animal person and dog person. And before I got my career in L&D, I taught high school English for about seven years of my life. Oh, wow. So seven yeah, 7 through 12 English, and I was an English communications major with a minor or course dual certificate in education. Got to teach a lot in college in between different girls being born and things. I love to be an adjunct professor. I hope to, to do that again at some mm -hmm. point. And uh, yeah, I'm su super excited to join you all today for this. Wow, that's really cool. <clears throat> Stacy and I have something else in common. Besides during my undergrad, I did get my take teaching classes and was certified through pre-K through sixth grade. I always thought that when it comes to science, if you can get children early and you can get them to have a love of science, because one of my, one of the reasons I say I'm in science is because I had a wonderful sixth grade teacher who just like sparked my interest in science. So I think I, that makes a difference. I think also what's interesting, um, just from, for the company that I work for, which is, you know, concerns itself with education and reading, um, K through 12, a lot of people have come from a, a educator or a teaching background. I feel like when you're an educator, it kind of follows you, even if you're not within like a, a classroom setting. And I think that's, you know, my mom knows this. I'm very much interested in and kind of discussion-based learning and, and collaborative ed edu edu educating. And that, that is some, one of the things that, that I do miss um, about school is that collaborative learning environment. Because I feel like that's really where you can really like absorb information. So I don't know, maybe it's in the card for me one day. I'm figuring that out right now. 
Thanks, Shelby. Love to hear that. Love that collaborative learning. I think discussion boards and the way people interact during classes really are the best way to learn. So I always found that I always wanted to change the classroom differently mm-hmm. than when I was, you know, back in my days of teaching, mm-hmm. because I think it should be that, you know, kids can participate and interact and ask questions and have dialogue. And mm-hmm. I always wanted there to be like two teachers and, mm-hmm. you know, again, more participatory rather than just so didactic. So Okay, Stacy, you are coming back again because I want to do a talk on learning. So that would be great. And um actually I read a book actually um when Shelby was little called Gen- Gender Matters. And I thought it was an excellent book because it's not it's just understanding that that boys and girls do learn differently. And um, I, I had the opportunity to go to an all-girls high school. And at the time of Chris, oh, yeah, we we need the boys. But you, it pointed out to me. I have never thought that. Right. As <laughs> someone who's gone to right. an all-girls, well, lower for like a yeah. year, middle and high school. Yeah. I just, and again, my mom knows this about me. And probably if you've listened to this podcast, you know this about me. I don't like, if I never have to listen to a man talk again, like I, I won't. I'm very like. No, Christian may not like that. No, Chris, <laughs> Christian knows that. <laughs> uh, Christian knows that. I'm very like, I've never, I never thought. And I think also in part, I think it is because of you being in, one, being kind of an educator at heart, which I think you are, and raising me in an environment where I never felt like I couldn't speak up or advocate for myself or what have you. Yeah. And that was my point. The, the point of this book was that, you know, uh, even teachers have unconscious bias. So when you have boys and girls in the class, they tend to pick the boys. Girls like to learn more in the discussion mode. I mean, girls like to learn in the discussion mode where boys like to learn via drills. So this is all a side note, but I think it would be great to have you, Stacy, to come back and talk about, you know, just learning. We've had a few podcasts actually on, I have a cousin who's a principal of a virtual school. We had her talk about that. And then I have a friend who did homeschooling. So those two dynamics, but just about learning and dynamics, you know, I always believe hands-on is better for science, but unfortunately a lot of schools, all they do is do science and books. So I think learning and teaching would be a really nice podcast in the future. I'd be curious to know when the book that you're referencing mom was published and to see if anything new as far as research on on those kind of acclaims yeah have have developed or or changed just because as like Stacey and I were were speaking before I think like I think as far as like discussion base and I, I might be biased because you know I'm an artist and critique and like again, collaborative work really should be, and yeah. it's not always the case, but in the arts community is such a, a cornerstone mm-hmm. of, of being an art of an artist and, and talking about art. And I feel like that's so enriching mm-hmm. regardless of, of gender. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if more schools, and I can talk about this <laughs> for forever, had, we're, we're concerned about that sort of bouncing ideas off of each other instead of, okay, so you all sit in a line and there's one person at the front and they tell you, and then you write it down. I think that that would just cater or, or encourage, especially young people to, to think more for themselves. I think that is something good. To, and I would definitely go back and look at that book and you know me for these podcasts, I do some research in that particular one. I think it would be great to have maybe Stacy come back and also Carla, my cousin, she's the principal. And 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 it was enlightening to talk to her about 
you know, she has to pick certain teachers who can work for be a virtual teacher. That takes a special kind of skill. And she was like how their school enrollment, you know, increased so much during COVID because people are like, well, if I'm going to do virtual, let me send my kids to a school that knows how to do it. But that's, we're really going to, this is what happens with these podcasts. We go, we go <laughs> yeah, on a tangent. Bring, yeah. bring it back. You I love the how people learn. So that's a yeah. great one. Yeah. I think it's changed. Based on what Shelby's saying, you know, from when that book was written mm-hmm. to maybe today and hence the virtual. And I'm really being into adult learning theory, too. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. has changed too, mm-hmm. how adults learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be a great next topic. So I'm always like, I'm like are already working on my third series of topics. So that might add, which is, I think I need one more. So that sounds like a good one to add. Well, and I mean, I guess the adult learning, my yeah. mom, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and Stacey, you can correct me if I'm wrong, ties into what we're going to be talking about yes. today. Right, right. That's the perfect segue because what we're talking about today is what what people can do to learn and, and grow their career. So one of the things, you know, one of my first questions was about, you know, what tools, you know, Stacy, are there available for people who are looking for a new career or looking to develop in their current career? Because you know, I think about it at Tava, we're pretty fortunate that, you know, we have this learning program, but not all companies have that. You know, hey, if you work at, you know, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't pick on McDonald's, but, you know, a fast food company, you know, although you see some great commercials where, you know, they're excited, somebody got into college, but not all companies lend their self or maybe they just are small and they just don't have the ability to do that. So how can a person what tools can a person find for themselves to, to think about their career? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Charlene. You always hear everyone at different levels saying, wow, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan, and I, I always believe in this, that if you kind of get into something that you have all your strengths and you identify your strengths and you go after that, and lead with those, you can find your career kind of taking off. Mm-hmm. As long as you, a, a, a book that um, we recently worked on it at work called Strength Finder is a very short, small book. And the first 13 pages you read, and then you take this little analysis and it spits out your strengths. So it, it, it tells you, you know, what you're good at, what you should, you know, kind of focus on. And then it tells you what types of careers you might be good at. So sometimes people need to, you know, take that assessment again and really benchmark themselves and really establish a baseline and say, where am I at? Where do I want to be? And kind of just uh, look at those and say, wow, what careers can I get into that that have these strengths that call upon those strengths? So I'm, I feel like follow your passion a bit and it's, it's never too late to uh, really learn about yourself, new strengths that you can develop and lead with and what careers that you can pursue. Now, the Strength Finders, I can't remember because I've done it. Does the book give you the assessment online or do you have to buy that separately? No, the book includes the assessment and then it gives you a code and you kind of open it up, put in your code, you take the on online assessment. I think the book is like $13 on Amazon. It's really great. Um, that is one. There's also a free one. Again, I kind of believe in the whole like personality identification. So there's one called 16personalities.com, and it's a very popular one. It's a Myers-Briggs-based personality assessment, 
and it tells you how introverted you are, how extroverted you are, what type of letters go along with your personality, whether you're into consulting, you're very analytical, it, it kind of breaks it all down. And then it tells you this type and it says how you kind of are at work, how you are at home, how you are friends, how you collaborate and how you learn. So that, that like I said, that's a free assessment. And that too, Gives, lets you know a little bit about your work style, your communication styles, and um, it gives you careers that you might want to be interested in too. So you might find yourself like, wow, I didn't know I could be into finance or I could be into data or I could be into storytelling or I want to be an instructional designer or a writer. There's a lot of different careers I think out there. And in 2021, you have to really see what are the hot careers, I feel like, too. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to pursue things that they're, they're hiring for, right? Because mm-hmm. certain careers are passe kind of now that it's mm-hmm. tough to go after. And if that that's what these things are telling you, there may not be jobs out. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like match, like a, how to match people to open positions that they'll be successful. I know we have one podcast coming up, uh, a little teaser on entrepreneurship. So do you think those assessments might lead a person down that road? Or I also just want to butt in here and say, I know exactly what website you're talking about. I've taken it and I find it very accurate. Um, the, the 16 personalities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of into to those sort of things too. It's also, it is just fun to, to learn about yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd be excited to this she won this idea of being entrepreneurial a little bit more because sometimes I feel like, especially with the within the context of like the twenty twenties, you know, I feel like because there are kind of finding a job and feeling very fulfilled in your career feels a lot harder <laughs> because of a lot of reasons. But then COVID happened, and you know, I think a lot of people almost feel forced into entrepreneurship. Not that that's a bad thing, but they feel like, well, I can't can't do, I'm I'm struggling finding something else. So I guess I'll start something. Like I know my my friend's sister, she decided she was going to start a hair care thing, brand. And she seems to be doing well. She has Instagram and, and everything, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember what she went to school for, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. So we'll be touching a little bit on, um, that in a couple of podcasts or so. But um, yeah, so I was thinking, you know, that could be something that that might in one of these personality things, because I know Strength Finders does sort of tell you if you're more of a leader or, you know, um, you're a collaborator or things like that. I find I found Strength Finders was spot on for myself, actually. So between these two assessments, hopefully people would be able to learn more about what about themselves and how they could develop or look for opportunities in jobs. But I did want to get your opinion, Stacey, as we're talking about tools now, LinkedIn. Of course, we all have LinkedIn profiles. And I know they have a learning aspect. Do you know is that very expensive? And would you recommend that as something that someone might want to invest in? I think there are so many great online learning tools. Like, So if this is a period, like I look at COVID and the way we're, we are today, like, it's like a period of reset and a period of growth. Mm-hmm. When this happened, people started to make that time a little bit for themselves. They're like, I'm going to make the time to follow my passion, develop a hobby, all kinds of things people found time on. And LinkedIn, LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. There's a whole bunch of different online catalogs of training out there, learning and development. And you can 
sign up for free trials. They allow you to take different courses for free to try them out, which is really nice. We have LinkedIn Learning at Work. People find a lot of those classes really enriching, really helpful. There's a project management certification you can go and get. You can really become a cybersecurity expert. You can go and take a class in Adobe Photoshop or publisher or creator or writing, you know, anything little niche that you want to pick up that can help your skills. It can like bolster your skills for jobs that you want to get into today, like social media blogger. I think there's a lot of explosion there to be into social media and how you can do that for a company too. So I see these people are like excellent on their phones. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you should turn that into a career because (laughs) I, again, pretty good at Facebook, all right at Instagram, don't understand all of the other things that these things can do, right? I can get myself around it. Hence, because I have three teenage girls that kind of demand me to do so. But like I said, the companies, I think, are really looking for that. And LinkedIn, I think, is is a great way to try these courses out. Udemy will allow you, they do little sales. Mm. So you can buy like a class, like a project management class for like $49, you know, mm. and then maybe that will help you to go and get your, get the PMPOC and study and, and take your PMP certification. And now you're a project management professional mm-hmm. because you've been, you know, you if you really like to do start and end dates to projects and find yourself, you know, reinvent yourself to be a project manager, you can, you can do it. So Skillshare is another one. What is it called? Skillshare. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little different because I think it, 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 the classes are more in like bite-sized chunks. And granted, I have not gotten around to being able to purchase, subscribe. And because they're, but the whole reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because for my current job, so one of the things that I do is, and would hope to do is like maybe illustrate or like books perhaps. And one of the programs that I use and that a lot of people at my specific company use for illustration under the publishing branch is Procreate, which is uh, you can get it on your iPad and it's great. I enjoy it a lot, but it's not I'm not at the level that I would like to be as I am in, say, Photoshop, which I have like a pl- decade plus experience working in Photoshop and Skillshare has classes where I can Someone will, a professional illustrator sits down and talks to me about how to use Procreate and they have classes on so many different things. So I definitely think that like taking, carving that time out and what's cool about Skillshare is because they're like, each bit is like, what, five minutes? You can find five minutes to sit down and learn about something, you know, mm-hmm. something, you know. I like how it's a little bit of learning that people can take that time. That sounds yeah. great. Shelby, one passion that I have that reminds me of your background when you talk with writing and you're illustrating is kind of pick up something else to do that could be a hobby that maybe would also spawn into a career. When I have been going through it as an English major, a mom, I always wanted to write children's books Mm. or write, I was big into games, like learning games or little micro episodes that kids could learn about different things. And I, I believe in like Aesop's fables. Like I feel like all those stories have gotten away from people. And wouldn't it be so cool to kind of introduce some of those old stories that we don't hear kids don't know anything about today but I feel like wow like the fox and the hare and all those little lessons that Mm -hmm. you kind of learn wow they really used to sit and make you ponder like oh wow that's kind of how it is that's why the turtle wins the race you know yeah you don't understand that until someone teaches you through a story yeah I'm a big fan of storytelling and 
like I said, you know, maybe write a children's book today if you have some time. So. Right. So taking that time to, you know, pursue some of the things on the side, because that's a good lead into my next question was why should people like find the time for career development and how can they do this? You know, if their work and personal life is very busy, because I mean, you brought up your, you have, you're a mother of three, you're a wife, you're got this big learning program at work. I know it's, I get busy at work too. Shelby mentioned being busy. Like, how can we encourage, what would you say to people like, listen, I don't have time for this, <laughs> you know, development. That's not a priority for me. I, I think um, one person that inspired me recently, um, Charlene, was this um, executive from Telemundo that we got to hear from her at work, Nellie Galan. Oh, yeah. And she was so interesting. And she was a point to all women and women in careers in particular. But I think her message goes far beyond just women. I think it's to everyone at every level. Like make that time for you. Put your own oxygen mask on first. And if you're too busy because you're saying, I don't have time for that, maybe do three goals a year towards mm -hmm. your career plan. And then every so often pick that time, put it on the calendar and say, what have I done to hit this goal this year? What have I done to hit this goal? So little tiny steps towards that can be accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone will find themselves feeling more enriched and their life more in control if they know I have a career plan, this is my short term, this is my long term, and I can get excited to help myself feel mm -hmm. that I, I'm really um, happy you know, and, and making my life happy. And you're the only one who can make yourself happy, but why, why not take that time to have more fun at work? <laughs> model, right? Right. Do your job, go in and be like, oh, I kind of happy to be at work today, you mm -hmm. know, because we're at work a lot of our days. So it'd be nice to kind of wake up and want to go to work. Yeah, that's sort of funny when you said little steps, because it, it's so funny to me how these all things are interweaved, because that's something that Jules would say, like, when it comes to your health, little steps matter, right? So the same thing with your career, you know, just take some little steps to, to take some time out. I mean, for me, I had to reflect because I feel very fortunate in my career. But what is my next step? Do I want to retire? When do I want to retire? What kind of things would I like to do? Maybe later? Or, you know, what is what what do I feel is my next step? And or am I happy where I I'm at, you know, do I have to necessarily make a step in my career, but maybe I want to do something outside, you know, sort of like this podcast. broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> of the view over here, I think. There's all kinds of good careers for you, Sean. Yeah, right. I mean, so you never know where things would take you. And then it, I guess this podcast is a testimony of doing something on the side when, you know, uh, COVID really made a lot of people think about different things to do. You know, I don't think I'd be doing this had it not have been for COVID. So, yeah. But- Speaking of COVID, you know, COVID has found many people out of work. And do you have suggestions for what people can do to like reinvent themselves or make themselves more attractive to employers? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, two things that that Nellie spoke of that really resonated with me is that fear and failure have to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. And if you really think about that, like if you're afraid to reach out to someone on LinkedIn because you have no experience no background, no connection to them, do it anyway, mm -hmm. right? If, whatever you're afraid of, do it anyway, right? Because you you don't know what could come back to you mm -hmm. with that. And if you don't get a job or you don't get a call and you, you have a dead lead, go after another one, right? Fill your pipeline all the time. Like constantly look at different avenues. Maybe introduce yourself to someone via LinkedIn. 
mm-hmm. and say, look, I really love what you do. It seems like you have an interesting career. Here's why I'm interested. Would you have 15 minutes ever to speak to me about that? You know, mm-hmm. well, who's going to say really no to someone yeah. who has a genuine interest? Uh, obviously, you can't be asking CEOs for time, perhaps, you know, your chances <laughs> of that maybe are slim to none. But I do think um, trying to make some connections or having a friend introduce, ask someone to go for coffee, to meet up and talk to them about careers, try to shadow them. Maybe they can come in a day and see where you work and what you do and, and how they got there. So I, I think there's a lot of people to connect and, and try to become like a super connector to when you don't have anything mm-hmm. then something can come of that. Yeah, I agree. I think people are more gracious than you think. And a lot of people do consider that they had to be somebody helped them reach their level. So they tend to be open. And I always say, you know, just as you said, you know, don't expect people to give you an hour. But if you write them and say, you know, I, I would like to get your opinion, you know, this is some a little bit about yourself, you'd be surprised many people will will say talk to you. And as someone who's like, really, I'm very connection focused. I, I I make sure I keep connections. It's funny. I was talking to Christian the other day about something. Um, oh yeah, we were because we're both printmakers, and he was like, he said something outlandish. Like I would rather build my own printmaking shop than go and ask our our previous printmaking professor to use her studio. And I was like, Christian, one. She was like your his advisor, or you were very close to this professor. She would love to hear from you. She also explicitly told us that you could reach out to her in exchange for like speaking to her class. She let you use her space. So that's a connection right there. You you can reach out out to her. And I think I, I don't I, I get why people are so maybe anxious about about doing that. But I if bringing everything back to, to our as I do, Christian, I watched a documentary on I'm going to butcher her first name. She's a Japanese artist, Yayo uh, Kusama. And her story began, she's like 91 now. So like in the Japan and wanting to be an artist from from, you know, the a very young age and you know her family kind of really denouncing her um up and moving to the united states with like a little bit of cash sewn into her kimono and no connections at all and working in a white male especially dominated 1960s new york as a japanese woman (laughs) and now she's she's 91 still making art her work sells for millions and Andy Warhol, who has stolen some of her art before, is dead. So, you know, like she, you know, she's, I think really her story resonated with me because she really did exactly that. She, she was like, okay, I don't, I don't have any connections, but there was a really great quote. She's, she was standing looking over New York and she said, I'm going to take this city, like, and I'm going to make it in the city. And she, then she made it. And if she hadn't risked that, yeah. then she wouldn't be where she is. Yeah, she was probably afraid. Yeah, she oh, I'm sure. Anyway, right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Don't let fear. Fear is really kind of the, the basis of, of a lot of why people get stuck. So I yeah. feel like if you can kind of unstick yourself by getting over fear or find that way to be courageous, that's a great story and inspirational. Yeah, and I think Nellie's story was similar. I'm going to definitely put both of these women on a reference to this podcast because I think when we, you know, we have those examples of people who reach out and, you know, I think Nellie, I didn't even know about her until this um, talk we had at work, but she really came a long way and she went to different directions that maybe she was like, I don't want to do this. And she winded up really doing doing well at, um, and I think we should, 
use our connections. I mean, I'm going to actually talk at Shelby's job about something technical. You know, uh, Stacy and I talked about talking to her daughter or looking at her daughter's resume. I think it's important that, you know, you have these connections Never be afraid to ask. The worst part, worst thing a person could say no. But if you don't ask, the answer's always no. Right, 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 right. But could you explain who Nellie is for, because I I don't know. Nellie Galan. So she was actually a speaker. Uh, She was a Latino woman that came here with her parents years ago. And her parents didn't have anything at all. And she went to a Latino uh, a Catholic school, and she kind of had some rough bumps along the road. Yeah. Like listening to her story, somebody, she was a great writer, and one of the sisters at the school at the time accused her of plagiarism. So it was this whole big thing, and her parents were very like grateful for her to go to the school and such rule followers, and then she kind of got thrown out of the school, which was really crazy. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote to Seventeen magazine of all things, and complained about this all-girls Catholic school and doing this to her, you know, victimizing her. And at the time, then, somehow, something came back, and one of the nuns found out that she did really write this paper, and they brought her back in and accepted her and sort of apologized. And then right after that happened, the 17 wrote the article about the school kind of doing that to her. So she was like, oh, no, her parents were also kind of mad at that. And yeah. you know, this whole thing kind of came back where 17 helped her because she wrote this article. And one thing led to her career. And she was like, wow, I could take this job at CBS, which is a really great job to have. Or I could work for this company and be like the number one first employee and take this humongous risk at this Telemundo. And and uh, develop or uh, produce mm-hmm. uh, different Latino Spanish shows and things. So she did that. And now, you know, she's making millions, but she was all like, her message is a lot to women saying like, hey, women out there, don't ever look for your Prince Charming, be self-reliant. And raising three girls, I do have a husband and I, I feel like it's it's great to have him be influenced and all this, this stuff, obviously, in their lives. And people have everyone who influences their lives, men or women or whatever. But I love just self-reliance for anyone. Mm-hmm. And her message of self-reliance to me is so important. Like, yeah. depend on yourself, right? You don't, can't look to your boss to help you with your career. Mm-hmm. You can't look to your friend, your husband, your mother, your father. It's you. Mm-hmm. You you have to be self-reliant. And she's, she's really interesting. Nellie Galan, she is an author of this book called Self-Made. I, I want to read the book now. And like I said, she was a big, like, telling women about investments, saying don't buy shoes, buy buildings. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was really interesting. And I, I'm sure she must have a website, so I'll be able to link it to her and people can can learn learn more about her story. But I think that's definitely definitely something. And, and I'm sure there's other – we probably all have um, – you know, stories like that. And, and I can relate to that in a sense too, of being more of, and I, I think I said this on the show before, more of an introvert, but you know, I had to learn how to be, it's a skill, right? You have to learn not to be afraid. And, you know, I, I think going way back in my career, how did I get away with that? I mean, my boss was the one who said, you know, you have good ideas, speak up. And I don't know, a couple of years later, I'm asking her, can I go get my MBA? Now I'm a like junior scientist. <laughs> you know? And she was like, I want to marry, I want to marry science and business. And she let me do that. So I think it's important that uh, you find something within yourself 
to speak up and think. You never know. The person could say no. And I always credit um, Diane to this day. And I've called her recently because when um, I was recently promoted, I wanted to just share with her. And they did a story about me at work. And just say thank you because I talk about that. Being told you have good ideas and just speak up. And she had so much confidence in me more than I had in myself at the time. So, you know, you need people who can who can support you. And um, so I feel like um, it's important to give back, put it that way, because people got me to where I am today. I agree. Mentorship, it, like having a mentor, whether formal or informal, is so important yeah. because that encouragement from someone else, like mm-hmm. you just said, that person had more confidence in you than you felt at that time yourself. Yeah. When you get that and you realize, wow, I am believing in the message they're telling me. I can do that. I can overcome that fear. Right. myself and Ask those questions. Or mm-hmm. I, I love when, you know, we try to really encourage people at work, right? yeah. encourage ideas and really support people. And I, I want to just have like a best in class organization. So we're always like, hey, like that's a great idea. Or thank you for coming. I think these little things just make it kind of fun to be around, you know, people and, and have your back at work, you know, right. otherwise people you know, are kind of sad or upset or scared or have health issues. You know, you never know what's going on for people in their right. lives, but that person that says, well, thanks for coming or thanks for speaking up or mm-hmm. I appreciate seeing you today or those little things can can really, I think, open up people and, and kind of build themselves to say, reach out to me or I yeah. have your back. And it can just take one person. My job is we have a, a group for all the, you know, the black women in the company. And within that group, we decided to do like a mentorship program, which is I'm so happy as someone who is a little bit new to the company and being, you know, connected to someone who like, I really feel like I can talk to and having that in a work environment. And I think even having something like that in a school environment, which I don't know if, I mean, I had an art art teachers that I really felt like were supporting me. And this yeah. kind of goes back into the educator aspect and how important it is that we uplift our educators because it could just take literally one person. I was watching a YouTube video and she was, she's a blind YouTuber. She lost her vision when she was, she was a, she was a child and it was, she was in and out of the hospital and they were trying to figure out this diagnosis and they were kind of at a point where she would, they were like, oh, she's fine. And her one teacher was like, I know you took her to the hospital, but I really think you, she can't see, take her again. And because of that, they were able to get her diagnosis and she was able to like, they learn. She didn't have learning disabilities. It was that she couldn't see. And it like, it took just that one person taking the time to really make such a big difference in her life. And I, and I think that that's so, so valuable. And I think mentorship and is something, especially now that I kind of have experienced it within my own work environment. I think we should really, I'm like all for it because it's like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, with, in work environments as well as school environments, even in my own art practice, I think it would be great to have a mentor. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, and that goes to like not being afraid to reach out and talk to people because we have several programs at work and I have a couple of mentees that I mentor. And then I have informal mentors, like people who just come to my office and want to talk about something because I, I like try to make as much time as I can for that because I think it's just important. Which again, like not, not everyone's going to do that. I know. Like, let's be real. Not everyone. No, will. but what I'm saying is that I feel like people, we, I think companies really should, you know. Yeah, they should. And, I, and I, I can say my former company and my current company are invested in these type of mentor programs. So More now than ever, right? Because yeah. people feel so 
disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we get back to the education with K through 12. I find like with the kids having to do virtual school and not going to school, they have to feel so disconnected. I get really worried about like the children of today and yeah. how we should feel so making them feel so connected and having that time to have those teachers lean in mm-hmm. and really reach out and be like, how are my students doing today? And it can be exhausting. I feel really mm-hmm. exhausted being a teacher in my former career and then understanding what teachers have to go through today. Um, I just think it's so important to bolster them up and support mm-hmm. them and support kids and learning and getting to help everyone kind of find their way, find their path. You said a teacher influenced you, you know, who, who influenced you to pursue something you really love and, and try to connect. Maybe there's adults out there and no teacher ever really influenced them or a person. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of, uh, you know, I'll tease my husband, like he should have been a state police officer or a gym teacher or a nurse but he's a business analyst. And so it's kind of an interesting <laughs> career flip for him. But, you know, him leaning into, as that Nelly even said from her uh, webcast that we went to, sometimes you are good at. So the things he's good at, he does for a living. But that doesn't mean he's passionate, maybe, about it. Right, right. You know, his other passions could have come from, like I said, I feel like he would have been great in law enforcement or a nurse because he really has an ability to stay calm Mm -hmm. in a stressful situation. And he can, like, help people medically when, you know, things go wrong. If the girls ever came in and really hurt themselves on a bike or he's the splinter man, (laughs) he does that. I'm like, wow, I'm never going to get nurse because, you know, he shows compassion and and, and caring. So there you go. He he could have been like a career change based upon Mm -hmm. um, something that maybe influenced him. That's an interesting concept around this whole career development, because you can go for your passion or you can go for, you know, I'm good at this and I can do my passion on the side or whatever. I I always think of this conversation out with Shell because for the longest time she wanted to be a veterinarian. So we even had her do a program at Tufts University, I think when she was like in eighth grade where we went there for a week. I worked from, I was working in a hotel. She was at Tufts because I was like, why should I go back and forth? And it was like telling you what it all means to be a vet and everything like that. And I remember she was about like five and I was like, Shelby, you may change your mind. She was like, mom, I'm always going to want to be a vet. (laughs) (laughs) She was like very adamant about it at a young age. So she went through this program and um, she was like, mom, will you be upset if I don't want to be a vet? I'm like, you should do what you you really want to do. And she talked about art and things. And I said, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, artists being an artistic, yes, you could do it, but you have to realize that, you know, of course it may not be the most lucrative of a career. Of course, you're groaning know. at this conversation because yeah. I, just before we started recording, I was just talking about exactly this. I think especially yeah. right now, I'm like, I'm very at work at my job. We, we, because we work so much with career development and like my work actively mm. makes sure that our employees are, we're talking about these mm. things, which I think is great. And one of the things we read, I'm gonna, I'm paraphrasing. It was like basically talking about how you shouldn't, 
it was basically the like if if you only worked when you were like passionate about working or motivated to work, then you would never really get anything done. Yeah. So like it was kind of saying that like always going after the, the passion project maybe isn't the I'm still kind of like figuring out how I feel about that because I've, I, when I read it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because where I am right now, I'm not, you know, paperwork, doing the mail stuff, sending emails, not my passion, but you know, I, it helps me pay my bills and yeah. do what I want to do. However, do I feel a little stifled because I'm not doing my, my passion projects as actively as I would like. But you're good at your job. But I am good at my job. So like, yeah. So I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like when we're looking at, it's a hard decision, right? You know, whether you go for something passion and say, you know, you know, like we talked about being an artist, say Shelby, you know, I, I believe in you. I think you're going to be Picasso or Dolly, but most of those people don't really see the benefit of their arts till they don't because they die and then they become very famous, you know? So, you know, but you can, certain skills that Shelby has, she can use in her career now with managing, writing and may open opportunities for her. Um, so yeah, you may blend those worlds eventually. Yeah. It doesn't always mean that, you know, you're going to start there. Right. The worlds may collide. Her passion world and her regular skilled, mm. what she's good at world may one day um, combine. And maybe that's an art history professor, mm. or maybe it's a, you know, who knows what, right. what people can morph and shape. But to point out, like, you, you should always be trying to keep a wide net right and, and not cross off anything i couldn't do that now like i, I talked to a lot of adults and they're like oh, i'm way too old for that i couldn't pursue that now i couldn't do that now you never know right you mm-hmm. might be able to you might be able to change yourself into a teacher you might be able to change yourself into a nurse change yourself into you know pharmaceuticals or yeah um, get out or you know become a open up your own hair salon or whatever so you, yeah. you don't know what you could get into yeah, you're never, I think you're never too old to learn and change mm-hmm. and pursue these things that um, you might, you might like. It feels like we're going back to the thing. Don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, talk to people, make the connections. And if you, you know, that balance be, and then now we talked about that too, you know, make enough money so you can sort of do your passion. Right. I mean, you that's know? the thing. It's like, you want to be, at least for me, and I think that as an artist, because everyone knows who my mother is, she's a very analytical person. And as such, I'm a very analytical person. I'm a very like, kind of how I think is more akin to maybe a scientist than it is an artist. So I have, you know, these ideals or these, you know, ideas about what I would like to do, but I'm also just always too practical to to maybe make a jump towards something that and, and take a risk because of being so practical about everything. So I think I'm personally still trying to figure out that balance between, you know, being practical and, and making that money, but then also like wanting to feel fulfilled in what I'm doing and, and also being impatient, which isn't, I know things take time, dad. but yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny because then I think of someone like her, her boyfriend, Christian, he's a tattoo artist. So to me, he does pretty well. <laughs> People like his tattoos. So he's actually using his art. But, but and I, I feel like Christian might have mentioned this. Uh, yeah, I think. And our pot, the first, was it the first or did we do the interracial? I think that was an artful conversation. Yeah. The first one. He, he's like, well, but see, now what I've done, I've kind of shot myself in the foot because I've taken my passion and now it's my job, you know, just my job. And I feel like I don't have, he struggles with carving out time to 
not be making art for other people. So, yeah. And that's where Shelby falls because we always had that conversation. Well, do you want your art to be your passion or your job? Because it's relaxing for Shelby too to do art. Mm-hmm. So I know it was like for our LLS on one of our fundraisers, all I asked her to do was like, and I should say all in quotes, is like do five pictures. And it was just like up until the last minute, but they all sold. Oh, well, my paintings. <laughs> your yeah. paintings. Because it's like anytime you give her like that kind of deadline, she does it. It, it stresses her out, I think, a little bit. Although she does pet, pet portraits, which also can stress her out. <laughs> so, I was like, so I can't imagine her being using her art as her way to make money. And that's what, well, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm figuring it out. I'll figure it out. You can even do a little bit at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Like she could blend a few worlds with an introductory project somehow, right? Yeah. Like I'm like, wow, maybe she could take her education with her art and maybe do um, Zoom teaching people how to make a painting or something like my mother's 85. I can think of all these like different ways that you could give back or like, uh, like will older people get on and try to watch to do something at home. Yeah. They're not in nursing homes. The poor nursing home people can't come together. Charlene and I, you got to, and I to, to visit people, but I think the virtual world, right? Everyone being able to connect virtually can kind of have you do a little bit of something without having to go mm-hmm. in somewhere and make a full commitment into things, but actually doing something, you know, more online and taking your hobby and, and trying to be a career. I know our, uh, my nephew and his wife, they host cooking classes. Oh, wow. So the other, on St. Patrick's Day, they taught people how to make drinks. Well, they had like 45 people come up and want to learn, you know, bartending and, and different drinks, old fashions and whiskey sours. And they <laughs> charged so a little bit of money for the cooking class and people didn't mind paying that. And everybody got to connect virtually and, and make some drinks. And it was a neat way to take a class, learn, and and. And um, also, again, maybe a little lucrative uh, mm-hmm. to make a little money, too. Yeah, I think that's really what it's all about. I mean, I think uh, COVID certainly has made people think a little bit more creatively. We use Zoom in so many different ways now. So that's pretty cool of, of different ideas. I do want to do want to ask, too, like for some people who are going for the more traditional jobs, do you have any suggestions as far as helping people to update their resumes or practice interview skills or some suggestions for those. Because I think that's important too as part of this whole career development and things like that. Because you may say, I've had enough of this job. I really want to do something different. I I think like a biggest wake up call for everyone is, you know, get your resume redone. Don't try to be doing it yourself. There's places out there that will redo your resume for $100. No matter what market of money background that you have, you should be able to think that $100 resume purchase should really go a long way because what people want to see in a resume is changes. It's different. Um, now people are putting their pictures sometimes on their resume. Oh, wow. There are, some people are doing little videos of who they are mm-hmm. um, in their sample. So you get to see someone where you could make like a little video of yourself. Um, Charlene knows that we do a lot of video. <laughs> yeah, we do. Video. I'm a big, and another point, like I said, to motivate yourself, TED Talks was another one I forgot to mention earlier mm-hmm. about trying to get inspiration, motivation on every topic come known to man. TED Talks are great, but I think out there, really try to do some research. What's the best way to write your resume, your CV, shop it around. And then as far as interview skills, I mean, the old way of interviewing, it's that star program where you're, they're going to always ask you in any interview, I think, that I've been involved in, in terms of a professional career, 
tell me a time when. So if you can come up with answering that, tell me a time when this happened, tell me a time when that happened. And if you're not really a person, and I do work a lot with scientists and a lot of people who are processors. So people that have to process their answer for a long time, they should really be practicing their answers to these tell me a time when, because when someone asks you a question and you're a a long processor, you may not be able to come up with that tell me a time when, right? My husband's extremely analytical. He makes all kinds of pivot tables and stuff. And I always tease them. I'm like, your your stories, I I can't really follow them. (laughs) So I don't know, you take me down hallways of stories that I'm kind of like, Oh, wow, that was heavy. (laughs) And I feel bad for the person that's going to interview him because he can do the job and the skills really well. It's just his stories are like, oh, boy, wow. I I forgot what I asked you. (laughs) Elevator pitch is is so important. Mm -hmm. I took a a class on not-for-profits in an undergrad, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. And, yeah, I think everyone should have their, their elevator pitch, like, what do you do, why you do it, and why it, it matters. Mm-hmm. Like being That's able great. to convey that. 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And do it in a video. See yourself do it and, and do it in front of others. That's a good Practice idea. it and be ready, you know, and say, how did I come across? Because I also got to interview a lot of people recently for like different little jobs that I had, like short term. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I could also give like a tip of, you know, kind of what not to do or say or be in an interview and ask for that job at the end. There's so many people that you'd be surprised. They're like, yeah, I did this. I did that. I did that. Mm-hmm, I could do that. I could do that. Like, I, You can, but you didn't like convince me that you could for me. And at the end, you didn't be like, hey, Stacy, I'd really love to come work with you. I'd love yeah. to have this yeah. job. If, ask for the job at the end. Yeah. It sounds like such a simple thing, but Unless you convince me you want this job, you kind of hang up with those candidates thinking, I don't know, they don't really sound like they're going to be that great, right? They don't really make me feel like they want to work with with me and for this job. Mm -hmm. So I think that you have to kind of show that you want to work there and and Mm -hmm. demonstrate that. And I would suggest, too, that you look up the company that you're going to be interviewing for if it's... You don't have to like memorize it or anything. So you know something about the company and also come prepared to have some questions. Even if you sort of know the answer, you always get that. Do you have any questions? And when people say nothing, then that's sort of a, I'm like, okay, you couldn't come up with one question. And also, I would also say you could be very technically strong, but also be able to answer behavioral questions. Mm-hmm. How do you work in a team? How how would you manage working if you have a disagreement with your boss? Mm-hmm. Have you worked with people outside of your group? Technical is very important, of course, but you also need to be able, especially in the environments we work in, be collaborative. So I Good think communication mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. If you can't demonstrate that today, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're gonna struggle. And I think there are definitely people that think someone's going to tell me every little thing what to do when I get in there mm-hmm. where you're kind of new your first 90 days you could be suggesting some things on how to do the job too yeah don't be afraid to get in there and, and say um this is what I, I'm going to do for you this week Charlene does that sound good to you or what if you think I did it this way how would that sound for you like again check back with your boss and offer new ideas not just wait for your manager to sit there and tell you every little blessed thing to do yeah that can be kind of annoying um in today's day they're looking for people to Mm -hmm. take the reins 
And that's what I say. I learned early in my career, don't be afraid to speak up. And I was sharing this with, with Shelby as well, because she's relatively new and she feels like a junior person. But I'm like, Shelby, just like I was told, you have great ideas. If you're in the room, you're supposed to be in the room. I know people have heard that. So don't, so don't be afraid to provide your ideas. And I'm also going to make a suggestion. You know, I've haven't had to work with at a temporary agency, but. People have found that as a way to get into the door. And I think it's a little bit different than it used to be where even temporary agencies do offer certain benefits as well. So Mm -hmm. as a, as another option, if, if you're not really finding what you want as a permanent basis, getting into a company as a temporary person often may allow you to be a permanent. That happened in my in my group. We had a really wonderful temporary person. We had an opportunity to make her permanent and we did. Also internships. Um, my first job I received was because I had two summer internships during college and they liked me and I liked them and started me all off in the pharmaceutical industry. So yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know. The temp jobs, the Kelly services, those kinds of people and you're out looking, you know, for a job at call those agencies and say, you know, what types of roles are you trying to fill and then see what they have available again. I think they could be out there. It gets you in the door. Why? And, and, you know, this is, I think we know why, but you know, why should employers invest in career development opportunities for their employees? Cause I mean, we've been talking about all these things you can do, but you know, as we mentioned, some employers don't do this, but why, why should they, they take that, um, make that investment? I definitely think people are the com- every company's greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And if you don't develop your people and engage with them and show them a career path or show them different opportunities and invest in them, they will feel kind of a dead end and a lack of wanting to work somewhere pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think when you show, when your company shows their, invested in you and they want you to grow and better yourself it's it's another um bonus it's another part of the paycheck that you don't realize you can give someone and it's not that hard for them to do right take this course like we we have with our learn grow and inspire program take these monthly webcasts take these online learnings participate in in this course have a discussion board we have a great program called thought exchange we're constantly wanting to hear people's ideas even anonymously, constantly engaging people. What do you think? Ask for their opinion, have dialogue. So I want people to be excited when they come to work. And I think employees owe it to themselves not to ignore their people Mm -hmm. and not to ignore their careers. Everybody wants a fulfilling career. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you think, you know, you know, we talked about, you know, advocating for yourself and things like that. But do you have some suggestions for people who want to have that conversation with their manager about career development? Yeah, it can be kind of awkward. I'll tell you, you know, even at my level and at at every level of person, no matter what you are in the company, but you never want to come across because people have the fears, right? My boss is going to think I want to, I don't want to work here. My manager is going to think, oh man, here they go again, looking for you know, advancement and I don't have the money to advance them or they're going to leave the company now. So they may treat me different if they think I'm going to leave the company. And so I think that's um, really important to get that courage. I call them courageous conversations Mm -hmm. and kind of open end it to them. So I kind of like, hey, Charlene, 
what are you thinking about next steps, you know, for my career? How, how do you feel, you know, with me and my role? Or if you were going to give me some advice on, you know, what I should be striving for mm -hmm. um, in the future, what would you say I, I should do? Mm -hmm. So that it keeps it kind of light and, you know, you're not leaving tomorrow. You're already job hunting. <laughs> you're not sending those signals. And I'm also kind of not putting my manager on the spot so that she feels so, like, compelled to paint it all out for me. And it's right. up to her. So I thought I recently had this kind of conversation with my manager and she got back to me. Mm -hmm. So that was good. Like, it's a way of, you know, maybe they don't have to tell you the answer right that second, but they will mm -hmm. um, get back to you. And you, it's not a one conversation. People oh, okay. should realize this is not just going to happen one time. You have to be ready to have the conversation a few times mm -hmm. so yeah. that it's, it's, it's developing. It's, it's not just a, a closed ended. Yeah, I think that's so true. Cause even I have, you know, had a conversation about my manager about one aspect in my, my area, you know, I'm, I'm focused on, um, you know, drug product. We talk about, we talked about medicine. So this, this, um, podcast will come after that. But there's parts of my, and I feel very comfortable with analytical, but there's one part of it is making the drug substance, which is the ad, active product that I work in, that I want to learn more about. So my boss has done a good job of, you know, inviting me to certain meetings where drug substance is being talked about. So that's going to help me, you know, get, understand that a little bit better. So I think, you know, there's your manager's aspect, but there's also your aspect of you taking control of your career, mm -hmm. which I think is really the most important aspect. I think especially as you get at higher levels, because I feel like your manager is not going to be able to do as much for you as you will. No, I agree. It's up to everyone's individual to go and pursue their own career. Your manager is not going to do it for you. No one's... And it's hard to say, but in that way, not, no one's really looking out for that. You have to be an advocate of your own best interest and kind of making it to the next step. So you won't get bored. You can put your little career plan, three little baby steps a year. <clears throat> and, and there you can kind of be heading somewhere. Mm -hmm. Change it up. I'm, I'm a big fan of change. Mm -hmm. Embrace change, right? There's so many people that are scared to leave their job. Like that's, again, we go back. I think fear is a resonant um, common denominator here, but change is good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes COVID shut people down from a career. And you know what? Some people are like, wow, I got out of that job, but I was devastated. But next thing you know, I got a different job at a different company with a different group. And I'm so happy. Like mm -hmm. I didn't realize you don't know what you're missing mm -hmm. until you kind of get out of something. Mm -hmm. So change can be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent point. So I know we're sort of getting towards the end. So I just wanted to see, Stacey, if you would give us some key take, what key takeaways that you would like our audience to remember around, you know, considering their personal career development. I think there was a lot of nuggets in this conversation, but when you think about it, if you could sum up or think about some key points people should remember. I think it's the reset button is now. Every day kind of sees those opportunities to grow and connect and, and put yourself in that mode of, I'm going to make it a great day. I'm going to really try to own how things go. I'm going to um, get excited about something. I'm going to connect with someone who really makes me feel good and empower me. I'm all about grit and <laughs> resilience and um, get fired up. Uh, go be around those people 
that you want to be inspired by. If you're kind of in a, a dead end hallway, cubicle meeting that is kind of not enriching you or making you feel inspired, try to change it up a little bit. Invite yourself to other conversations. Be around other people that will lift you up, that mm. will encourage you. Too many times we we stay in the same old relationships, mm. especially at work. Same old boss, the same old mantras. Try to mix it up. Mm -hmm. That way you can find yourself feeling motivated. We all need support. We all need motivation. You know, it's up to you to seize your moment. Well, this has really been a really excellent conversation, Stacey. And I hope that, you know, as I said, people will get little nuggets or get that little push to to work on their career development and, you know, like seize, seize, seize the moment, seize the day and, and, and don't be afraid. And um, this has been great. And as we said in the beginning, we will have you back, Stacey. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Both of you are delightful to work with and I'm super excited about podcasting and we could have talked all day. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That always happens to us. So we tried, we have probably, hardly ever kept it to an hour, but you know, if it's good, you know, I don't, don't, don't try to cut it off. So thank you both. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you. 